Lars, before you go, we want to give you this book written by a friend of mine, Shepherding Like Jesus, written by Dr. Andrew Avery, He's a pastor in East Texas, but don't hold that against him. Uh, we love you, my friend. God bless you. You know, it's often been said, and rightly so, you don't know a great church by how many people are gathered in. You know a great church by how many are sent out. This is an important notation, and it's significant that we recognize our friend Loss, and I hope you'll join me in praying for him. We start a new series today. Some of my staff, smart Alex that they are, bought a shirt this week that I should have worn this morning. It said, Revelation, Survivor. I'll let the guilty remain nameless, but uh, they know who they are. Uh, we start a new series today, Preparing Ourselves for Easter. A passion for personal purity is where we begin. You know, if you're one who makes notes in your Bible, then just draw a little circle around that title at the chapter, at the top of the chapter. It says something like, the psalm written by David after he was confronted by Nathan, the prophet. If you want to notate that a little further, then just write yourself a note. You can find that in 2 Samuel chapters 11 and 12. There you'll find our friend King David in the darkest moment of his life and what should have been one of the most amazing and remarkable moments of his life. He has made a choice to sacrifice all of his integrity, everything that has happened up to that point by committing adultery with Bathsheba. Not only that, he tried to hide his sin. It's never or rarely the actual sin. It's the cover-up, right? He tried to hide his sin and ultimately was responsible for the murder of her husband as well. You might call it doubling down. And he thought, well, I'm the king. I can get away with this. No one can hold me to account. And in chapter 12, in walks our friend, the prophet Nathan. He's a trusted confidant, one who has spoken to the king often and one who is charged with telling God's truth to him. And he walks in and he tells a parable, a story. And if you aren't sure where to read in the Bible today, then go there. It tells a story about a rich man and a poor man and how the rich man had many sheep and that the poor man had only one little lamb that he kept as a pet, a friend of the rich man came to town and the poor man's lamb was slaughtered. What should happen to that man, Nathan said. David angrily responded, that man deserves to die. Nathan turned and said, you are that man. It's at that point that David knew that God was calling him to repentance and we are better for it. Psalm 51 is one that we read often in the seasons of repentance and seasons where we desire revival and moments where we say, this is what I want. I want to be cleansed. I want to be restored. I want God to use me. And that's the three big elements. How then can I find a passion for purity like David reflected in this chapter, because it's not just the first seven verses that my friend Corey read so well. Uh, it's 
longer than that, and we're going to go all the way through the chapter. That's why you know loss is right. We're going to be here all afternoon. No, it's, I'm joking. We'll move along quickly. But I want us to take a look at this and asking this question. If purity is so important to God, then how do I find it and keep it? Let's start here. If I'm going to find the passion for purity that King David did, I'm going to have to ask God to cleanse me. These seven verses Corey read a moment ago, they start with something powerful right there in verse 1. Have mercy on me, O God. Mercy. That's God not giving you what you deserve. Grace is giving you something you didn't deserve, but mercy is withholding, holding back something that you did deserve. To be cleansed then, I'll seek God's mercy first. David begins in the right place by being contrite. Recognizing the depth of my error error and my desire to have God show me mercy, not justice. The mistake a lot of us make is we want justice going out, but mercy coming in. Let us not make that mistake, my friends. Mercy means I'm released from the burden of my past and my sin. God's abundant mercy is one of his core attributes. So when David realizes just how awfully he's messed up, he puts in contrast two things. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. So you love me so much, God, that your mercy can change things. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. What does it mean? It means this. David is not trying to sugarcoat his sin. He recognizes it for what it is. That brings us to the second element. I'll recognize it's my sin that has caused the problem, not God's law. There are some that I've talked to over the years who have said, well, the reality is, Darren, it would be easier to follow God's law if it was closer to, to me. Yeah, uh, to my preferences. That, 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 I, I agree, I agree. It would be much easier. Uh, but then again, would I need God's mercy at all in that situation? Probably not. Instead, what I need is a cleansing. And that starts by recognizing that I'm the problem not God's law. It's not that God's law is so strict, it's that I'm so bent towards sin. That's why I need cleansing. You know, when I was growing up, we worked a lot on cars and, 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 and heavy grease and things like that, and my dad did that for his whole career. Um, and when we'd come into the house from working in the, in the garage, he would insist that I use the same soap that he did. So my dad had had and still does have hands that are calloused and, and worn from all those years of heavy greases and liquids that uh, are, are caustic. And, 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 and so, but mine, on the other hand, were, were what he would call house cat hands. You know what I mean by that? They weren't the kind of hands that were like his. And yet he would say, hold still, Darren, put your hands out so I can put some soap in them. And he would shake some of this right here. I want you to see this soap. This is, I'm convinced, 
a punishment from Satan himself. <laughs> it is a powdered hand soap that I'm still convinced has sandpaper built into it. It is the closest parallel is like Tide. If you want to know what's Darren talking about, pour a little Tide in your hands and wash up with that. It's going to create burns on your skin. And when I would complain about it and say, Dad, this burns my hands, he would say, you need to get tougher. You need to get tougher. You know, he never once thought that maybe that, that wasn't the point. Okay, where are you going with this, Darren? Maybe, just maybe, if I keep using it, then it will stop drying out my skin and I'll get used to it. And maybe, just maybe, if I keep doing that kind of work, I'll get the calluses he has. And maybe, just maybe, I, I won't need to worry about that being damaging to me. Can I tell you today, friends, sometimes when we have to repent often, calluses become a problem. We don't feel it anymore. The sin that once bothered us doesn't anymore. We brush it off and we say, it's not that big a deal. I don't really need to be cleansed. God's law is the problem, not me. And after all, God will forgive me so I can just feel free. I caution you, my friends. I want you to see verse 2. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Ask yourself this question, how often do I want to have to pray that? You might say, not very often. So let's then move swiftly ahead. Because it's not the end of the story. Verse 3, for I know my transgressions, my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth and inward being, and you teach me wisdom in this secret place. What does that mean? It means this. See it there. God's mercy and forgiveness will lead me to repentance. His mercy and the fact that he wants to forgive me, wants that relationship with me, leads me away. Leads me away from those broken patterns and away from that sin. It calls me to think differently about sin. And it calls me to think about how I get away from that it draws me, God's mercy, as I get closer to him, his forgiveness washes over me and it says, I don't want that anymore because I don't want to have to pray, verse 2, very often. Here's another element to it, though, of the cleansing. Recognize that it's been this way since the beginning. Since the beginning. My bent towards sin came with me. Do you remember when your children were small? Think back, some of you, that might have been a while, but that's all right. I want to ask you this important question, and it is an important one. Who taught your child to lie? Now, the temptation is to sit close to your spouse and elbow them. It must have been you. Or that came from your side of the family. That's the kind of thing. But our son is adopted. We can't blame each other's heredity genes on that. Who taught your child to lie. Let me just break it for you this way. They came wired that way. 
this beautiful, incredible child that is before you, that is no doubt a gift from God, came with the same flaw that you did. Sin. It's something that happens simply by nature of our humanity. As we've said for the last year, that won't always be the case. For those of us in Christ, we'll leave it behind when we get home to heaven. But for now, let us recognize that this first one, asking God to cleanse me, is something that we'll need often because this is how we were made. Now, does that mean it's okay to sin and I can say, well, God, you just made me this way? No, it means that I'll recognize that and push back against it. It means that I'll learn to say no and say it to myself first. Case in point, I was at a restaurant with a friend yesterday at lunch. It was a beautiful day and the restaurant was full. There were lots of people there. I went to the iced tea machine to get some iced tea. It was empty. And then I looked over and there was the soft drink machine where I have committed to the Lord to not drink Dr. Peppers for from now until Easter. This is honesty, okay? Let's just stop being foolish and be transparent, shall we? There was this wave of Dr. Pepper craving that washed over me like an irrepressible flood. Do you know what I'm talking about there? Maybe it's not for you, Dr. Pepper, but maybe it's something else. This sense of, I might just have a fit right here in this restaurant if I don't get that drink right there. You might say, Darren, you have a problem. No, I have a big problem. Let's just be honest. That's one reason we're doing this this year. But the, the enemy whispers these things into your heart. Your life will be better. Your life will be more complete if you just give in here. I'm glad to tell you I didn't. Not to make myself a hero of the story, because let me be clear, it wasn't because I didn't want to. It's because I didn't want to have to come and tell you I did this morning. Now you know the real truth, don't you? But friends, that's a part of being cleansed too, being honest with others, having people in your life who love you and care for you enough to share your burdens. Let's move on swiftly. We're well short of time. Ask God to restore me. If I want to find the same purity David did, if I want to find the same passion for it that he did, then I got to ask God to restore me. Pick it up in verse 8. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and Blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me with a willing spirit. See, there's an amazing transformation that takes place. When I'm cleansed, I can ask God to do something that is remarkably his own. I can ask him to restore me. And when God restores me, my joy returns. You know, I like to watch restoration shows, and I know many of you do too. There's something rather fascinating about seeing something, whether it's a car or a house or a person, go from this broken mess, this heap, to a restored, redeemed individual 
house or car. There's something transfixing about it, and it causes us to say, there is yet hope for all of us. And friends, this is the essence of what I've just read to you. Restoration is available. You don't have to stay where you are. Your past does not have to determine your future. But it certainly can. I wonder, friends, I wonder if that's a lie that Satan has told you. You've made so many mistakes. How in the world do you think God will ever forgive you or release you from those sins? It's a fair question, but it's also one, <coughs> it's also one that has a definitive answer through God's mercy, just like David found. So if I want to find the purity that David did, if I want to find the same passion that he knew, then I'm going to ask God to cleanse me, I'm going to ask God to restore me, and I'm going to ask God to use me. This is where the struggle really comes. How, Darren, can I ever ask God to use me when I know where I've been, when I know the mistakes that I've made, when I look at my own past and I look at my life, and I look at all the pieces that I've fallen short in, how can I ever ask God to forgive me? I want you to write this down somewhere, and I want you to remember it. God's mercy is not based on your mistakes. God's mercy is based on his character, not yours. It's forged on who he is, not where you've been not where you've limited him, where you've painted him in. So if God's use of you is dependent upon your past being clean, then there is no hope for any of us. But if God's use of me is dependent strictly and solely on who he is and his capacity to use me in spite of myself, there is hope yet for all of us. Hear the word of the Lord, starting in verse 13. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. You will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You would not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God or a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O oh God, you will not despise. Do good design in your good pleasure. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in right sacrifices and burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. This proclamation, verses 13 to the end of the chapter, has three pieces to it, and we're going to go through them quickly. One, God's desire was always for my purity. He always wanted to use me. He always wanted me to be a ready and willing vessel for him to use. God's desire is for you to be pure. That's what he longs for. Into this moment, David's worst and darkest night, David asks for something that he has no right to ask for. And yet, he asks just the same. And it is a word of hope to each of us. Consider this with me. 
The process of kensagi is a Japanese process of broken pottery. You see, the Japanese pottery, they'll make a beautiful pot. And then they'll take it outside and they'll throw it on the ground, breaking it. Then they'll pick up the pieces and bring it back inside. You might say, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Hang on. Then they'll take gold lace glue, real gold lace glue, and they will glue the pot back together. They will mend the pot with the gold glue. The end product is far more valuable than it ever would have been whole. Maybe you are that Kinsagi pot for God. Could it be that God, in his desire for your purity, wants to use your brokenness to encourage someone else? Could it be that God has in mind for you to share hope because you too are broken? There's this belief that we in church have it all together. Don't you dare believe it. We're just sinners saved by grace. Those who have been redeemed, released from our past. The idea then turns to, well, how can I make it up to God? David answers that for us. Verse 16, you will not delight in sacrifice or I'd give it. You won't be pleased with a burnt offering. The essence of it is this. I can't buy my way out of sin, but I can seek you and find it for free. The opportunity we have to be released from our burden is not based on our pocketbook. There's nothing you have that God needs. And yet, given that this last week was Texas Independence Day, Let's talk for a moment about our friend Sam Houston. When Sam Houston was baptized, when he was baptized, he was headed down into the water with his wallet still in his pocket. A friend of his saw it and said, hey, Sam, throw me your wallet. Here's what he said. I'm getting baptized. It might as well, too. In other words, all of me is going along for this. I can't buy my way out of my sin, but I can get it for free, and everything else comes with it. The hardest part of receiving God's mercy and forgiveness is forgiving myself. Because see, if I have a role in buying that forgiveness, then God's mercy isn't really all that. Let us conclude with this. Once I do these things, ask for God's cleansing, restoration, and using then I'm ready to be used, a pure and prepared vessel. It's my privilege to be in many of your homes, and I'm grateful for that. It's always a joy to come to your homes and, and, and be with you. I wonder, though, I wonder if you came to my home and I served you a meal on a plate, and our dog that we don't have, our dog sat at your feet whining. And um, you said, Darren, why is this dog whining at me? And I say back to you, don't worry about it. You're just using his plate. <laughs> Would that make you feel like an honored guest? Probably not. 
I want you to recognize that what God longs for you is to be cleansed, to be pure, to be holy. Well, I don't even know where to start. These three things are where you start. Call on the name of Jesus today. You see, David, well, we've got one up on him. One of his descendants is Jesus himself. And Jesus did something for us that David couldn't find on his own. Jesus hung on the cross and paid the penalty for our sin to give us the cleansing that we needed, the restoration that God longed to give us in the first place, and to use us in spite of ourselves. Today, maybe you are recognizing God's call on your life right there. We're going to do a very brief invitation to give you an opportunity to respond to it. So here's what's going to happen. We're going to stand up. We're going to sing. And if today is the day that God has tapped on your shoulder and said, today I want you to respond, either by coming to this altar in prayer or by coming to talk to me or one of my team, then let today be the day that you say yes to Jesus. Pray with me. Today, Lord Jesus, is a gift, and we receive it that way. With joy and with eagerness, we receive it. My prayer today, Jesus, is for those who need to respond to what you have said today, that they will receive that invitation personally. I pray today, Father God, for your powerful Holy Spirit, just like it did in David's life, to move in each of ours as well. We give ourselves to you in this invitation time, Lord Jesus. Speak into our hearts. Blow through this place. And thank you, Jesus, for what you will do. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.